You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we're, today we're talking about Christopher Nolan's 2006 classic movie, The Prestige. Uh, we just watched it at the UBCO with the UBCO Movie Maniacs the other day, and uh, today we are here to talk about it in detail. Um, we're pretty good about, uh, le- or I'm pretty good, I should say, about letting you guys know when there's spoilers this time and not spoiling it beforehand. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen The Prestige, you will know exactly when to stop listening. And if you have seen The Prestige, uh, you know, we recommend you watch it again anyway, but, uh, please enjoy our full conversation. So I'm going to, uh, put on a speech by Michael Caine and then we'll be right back. Are you watching closely? Every magic trick consists of three parts, or acts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, a deck of cards, a bird, or a man. subject. Perhaps he asks you to expect it. To see that it is indeed real. But of course, it probably isn't. What did you think you were going? Oh, the bloody axe, you fool! takes the ordinary something and makes it do something extraordinary. Now, you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. Because, of course, you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. Want to be fooled. But you wouldn't clap yet, because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. That's why every magic trick has a third act. The hardest part. The part we call the prestige. Welcome back to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where today we're talking about a classic movie from 2006. Today we're talking about Christopher Nolan's The Prestige. Uh, Pierre, why don't you start us off? Uh, with a summary? Yeah, sure. Really? Do that. Let's let's. Uh, we got to get to that eventually. Anyway, the Prestige is a beautiful story about competition and um, what? what? <laughs> Dude, I had a word for this. Um, motivation, determination, 
ambition. And the triumph of the human spirit. Yes, to conquer other humans. Yeah, it's uh, about two magicians that aren't very nice to each other. Yeah, so, well, like, when you think about it, the the concept of the movie is pretty basic. It's just, like, two magicians try to one-up each other over and over again until their lives are destroyed. Yeah, and it sort of comes to a head when one of the magicians comes up with this trick. So that's how they're one-upping each other is just by making better and better tricks. But one of them comes up with this trick called the transported man where he... Like, he'll drop a ball, and then he'll go into a clo- into a closet or a dresser, and then he'll come out another dresser on the other side of the stage, the exact same person, and pick up the ball. And It's called the, tran- the transported man. man. Yeah. And so um, it's not super impressive to watch. Like, it's, it's very cool, but, like, as an audience member, it's like, wow, neat, he's done it. And then you move on with your life. But the other magician loses his mind over this trick. He's like, how does he do it? There's no way this is possible. What's going on? And, like, straight up goes halfway across the world to get a scientist to make him some stuff so he can do a better trick. It ruins his life. And, I mean, it's already in the process of ruining his life, but that's the trick that, like, everyone needs to figure out. I think both of their lives were actually, like, pretty fucked from the start. Yeah, they were... They were in a pretty bad way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I think it's a beautiful, it's kind of an allegory. I could feel Christopher Nolan really channeling because the magician, for him, they say it's about just tricking your audience, even if it's for a brief second, into believing that there's something more to this world mm-hmm. than like the boring, dreary stuff you see from day to day. And that's kind of like what a, what a movie maker does too. Yeah. Um, and I think you pulled a lot of inspiration from that. Well, Also, as I was watching it, Christopher Nolan is 100% trying to do exactly that with this movie. There's so much going on in the background of this movie that, like, if you're not paying attention, if you're only paying attention to it as a movie, like, if you just go to it, you don't know what to expect, you're just watching it as it is, it's, it's a fantastic movie because, like, it does exactly that. It makes you, you know, make, he pulls stuff out of nowhere that doesn't even, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. This movie is itself like a magic trick the way he describes it. Yeah. There's a bunch going on in the background. So if you're watching closely and like that's the main thing, I think that's like the one sentence people keep saying in the movie is, are you watching closely? If you are watching closely, like you notice all of this stuff, uh, you notice that there's nothing in the movie that just comes out of nowhere. It's all foreshadowed. But if you're not watching closely, then the entire, then Everything in the movie seems like magic. Nothing, you, you have no idea. Like, you have no idea what to expect. It keeps surprising you, even though it really shouldn't. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The whole, I think the whole movie is essentially one big magic trick. Yeah. Of, like, showing... Or, like, there's always hints of what's hap- mm-hmm. truly happening. But if you're not paying attention... Like, if, you're not watch, if you're watching it for the first time, specifically, you haven't seen it before, you won't notice those details... Until the prestige comes, which in this case it's the movie's climax too. Yeah, which is um, awesome. I think we'll 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 talk more in detail about like what all of those hints are when we get into spoilers, which is not yet because we're like five minutes in. But um, oh, you just said the prestige. So like, do you remember? I remember briefly, but uh, do you remember? How he describes a magic trick in this? Because he says there's three acts to every magic trick. Yeah. I like a movie. So yeah. there's the 
There's the setup. I think I don't know if that's the I'm paraphrasing, but I believe it's the setup where you you show like for example if you're making a card disappear, you show the card. That's what it's called. The pledge. Yeah. And then So you, you show have, that you, you you show something ordinary and you mm-hmm. let the audience know that this is ordinary. Yeah. And then you have what's the, the second? turn. The turn, where you which is do where something, you... where you turn something ordinary into something extraordinary, like yeah. you make a card disappear. Yeah. And then there's the prestige, where you basically undo it. Yeah, because I thought what was really cool, Michael Caine talks about it in the movie, but it's he says it's not enough for the audience to, bel- for for because what's the turn is making if it's, it's not enough to just make something disappear. You have to because anyone it back. can make something disappear. Right. It's about bringing something back from nothing. Right. Which is and the transported man is like all of that literally yeah. because at the very beginning he just says, "I am a magician. Look at me. I'm normal except for my profession, I guess." Mm-hmm. And then he t- disappears into the closet and immediately comes back, and mm-hmm. that's like right there. That's the pledge, the turn, the prestige. Yeah. And um, any magic trick that they do in this show, in this movie, and probably any magic trick can be broken down into those three parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie can too. So at the beginning, it's just, I guess, a normal movie. Like you see two people, uh, the two young magicians working for an older magician and doing, and like rising up through the ranks. It's just a normal movie. You've seen this a million times before. Yeah. Then there's the turn. Where uh, I would say that would be in this case Hugh Jackman, one of the magicians, going to visit Nikola Tesla to like get some science experiments for his, done for his magic show, which is I guess sort of weird. It was weird. And then there's the Prestige, which is the entire ending, mm-hmm. the climax of the movie. Yeah. And I guess like movies in general don't break down into exactly the same th- the same three things, but they break down pretty similar. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a three-act three structure. Yeah. So, um, what, the first act is setting it up. Yeah. The second act is kind of conflict mm-hmm. and the low point, which is, I guess, the disappearance. Yep. You disappear, and then the third act is kind of resolution and make everyone's happy again, and like it's kind of like bringing back the card, you know? Yeah. So the Prestige is really just a movie about uh, movies. about making movies. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's We've why solved it. It was very, uh, well, because, like, it's not just about movies, it's just showmanship in general, Mm -hmm. you know, just taking that idea, because that idea can be applied to, like, so many types of entertainment. Right, because they they do emphasize at a lot of points, so, um, at a lot of points, uh, Hugh Jackman is a really good, his magician is a really good showman, but... um, Not a great magician. he's, He's an okay magician, but he's not, like, an incredible magician. Yeah. Where Christian Bale's magician is incredible like he just comes up with the coolest possible tricks but he's a terrible showman he can't yeah he's terrible at <laughs> they it they really hammer that in there's points where he's he's performing his his bit and yeah. he looks so bored with what he's doing cuz he does he he essentially does his whole, whole show like he does a bunch of lame stuff mm-hmm. until he comes out with the trick that he's he wants to do and he knows the audience likes. And the thing is, like but the he, audience only wants to see that yeah, trick, and but, they kind of hate all the lame stuff. Yeah, and he'll but he'll never do it first because yeah. I think he kind of loves the uh, like putting them through that. You know, he, yeah, he looked very spiteful. But also, the thing is, like, just you see that because of the way he structures his show, too. 
He does all the lame stuff, but he doesn't give it any flash. So the audience is constantly booing him until he like gets someone from the audience to shoot him in the heart or something. Yeah. Um, even when he's doing his mind-blowingly good trick, the transported man, no one cares because it's a really un because he just frames it so unimpressively. Mm-hmm. Like people go, "Oh wow, nice, very good." Yeah. And like that's about it. They're not amazed. Yeah. Where when Hugh Jackman finally figures out his version of the transported man, you know, it's to standing ovations and all and rave reviews and everyone loves it because, you know, he puts extra flair into it Mm -hmm. because he's a good showman. The greatest showman, some might even say. Nice reference. (laughs) But yeah, I guess I think it's. It's talent versus presentation. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's just that's just a big thing in society, in general. Like a lot of there's a lot of people that have have like amazing things, but they just don't know how to put it out there in the world. Yeah, and it kind of shows. This movie kind of shows that both parts are equally important. Even though in this case, I guess neither really succeeds because they work together at the start, right? They work together at the start, and then and they were successful until they got. A fight, right? Well, they were successful, but they weren't successful as individual magicians. So, like, no. they got into that fight, and after that fight, they also broke off onto their own. Yeah. So, they would have had to, like, part ways eventually. They just did it on really bad terms. Um, well, I guess. I don't know. I, I, they, I think it kind of showed that their both their lives were kind of at their best when they were working together. Yeah. You know, because they, one, like, one had the presentation and one had the... One had the talent, mm-hmm. um, and then once they broke apart, they did they did thrive in their own ways. Like they they had to push their boundaries, but also that that effort also destroyed them in the process because they in the end they did kind of need each other mm-hmm. in a weird kind of way. Yeah. Um, Do we want to get into spoilers? Yeah, I think I think so. So it's if you're if you're still listening at this point and you don't want a thirteen year old movie spoiled for you. Uh, this is spoiler territory, and I actually would say if you haven't seen The Prestige, go see it. It's a really good. And don't get and don't have it spoiled for you. Like it's not the end of the world if you go in knowing what to expect, but you really should experience this without knowing what to expect. Yeah, I would say. I would also like. Well, to be fair, like it's always better not knowing what. Yeah. What you're getting going into it, but this was my second time watching it too, and I was equally like impressed as the first time i can definitely i could definitely tell on my second time watching it that there's a bunch of stuff that i still missed and three or and like two or three more watches that'll always be the case yeah well that's the thing like this movie like a lot of movies kind of rely it's really boring until you hit the twist sometimes Mm -hmm. and you're like oh now this movie makes sense but this movie was like it was a really good movie even before the twist in my opinion right it worked well well and even in movie even in movies with a twist, a, a good twist doesn't actually come out of nowhere. It seems like it might, mm-hmm. but like there's always stuff leading up to it, and there yeah. definitely is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, I mean, saying it's a saying there's a twist isn't even a spoiler in this case because like there there kind of isn't, depending on how you want to look at it. There yeah, is, there, but yeah, there is, but it doesn't make the movie either. It's not the movie isn't the twist. The yeah, movie is. It's just a really good movie by itself. And then the twist is like the cherry on top, you know? Right, like, right. You're like, oh, okay, now it's a great, it's an amazing movie instead of a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so did, did you see it? Did you see it coming your first time? Like, um, 
No, not really. I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, so, yeah, I had heard from, like, lots and lots of friends, watch The Prestige. It's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. So, eventually, I, like, eventually it was on Netflix, and I'm like, oh, The Prestige is on Netflix. I'm going to watch The Prestige now. And yeah. I knew nothing about it going in. Yeah. So, I was, like, blown away by the fact that David Bowie was in it as Nikola Tesla. I didn't yeah. expect that at all. Um, just every time the movie did something I didn't expect, it was awesome. Um, and that was all the time the first time I watched it. Yeah. And even the, so this is now the second time I watched it and there's still things that I was noticing like, um, probably the biggest spoiler for the movie. So like, this is your last warning. If you don't want spoilers for the movie, the biggest spoiler for this movie is that, uh, Christian Bale has a twin. Christian Bale being the um, the talented mu- magician. Uh, he has a twin, and he keeps this twin a secret for his entire life. And they do sort of foreshadow that right at the beginning where um, with with the old with the old man and the goldfish trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the there's an old um, an old Chinese magician in town who uh, is you know doesn't is, is another one who's a very good magician but not much of a showman. And he has this one trick, his, his big trick is where he like makes a goldfish bowl disappear and like then he makes it reappear or something. Mm-hmm. And no one can figure out how he does it. Well, I mean, no one, the magicians all figure out how he does it. But like yeah. Michael Caine tells uh, his two magicians, all right, go and um, go figure out how he does it. And the first person to tell me gets, I think it was... Uh, I think he was going to get them an audition with um, a theater promoter. And the way that he did it um, was that uh, he wasn't actually... So this old magician pretended to be crippled. He wasn't crippled, Mm -hmm. but he like pretended to be crippled and always walked with a hunchback and always. He didn't have to, but like he would never, ever be seen in public not walking hunched over... um, you know, as if he was crippled. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed him to like have all this extra space in front of him where he could actually hide a goldfish bowl, yeah. which was really like stupidly simple when they revealed it. Mm-hmm. But um, the point being that in order to make that trick work, no one could ever know that he wasn't crippled. Yeah. And so I would assume by this point, no one, by that point in the movie even, no one knew that Christian Bale had a twin. Mm-hmm. But from about that point in the movie, Christian Bale uh, hires an ingenue, which is what they call their, uh, the people who make their like magic items, like the um, trick boxes and the trap doors and stuff. Yeah, almost uh, like the producer... Basically, the, or the director to the actor, or producer to the director. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, but I was always thinking of it like the songwriter to the, the to the singer. Mm, yeah. Um, but like he hires this ingenue, ingenue who named Fallon, who never talks and like is just sort of he's just sort of there. And it turns out that Fallon is actually Christian Bale wearing a lot of makeup because they're twins. Yeah. And so the way that he does the transported man is that he has a double and his double looks exactly like him because they're identical twins. Yeah. Um, and that's the that's that's, that's well the twist. that's why I said this is the biggest spoiler so stop there. Yeah. But um anyway, what was I getting at? The point being that like in order to make his magic 
trick work, he had to hide that from everybody. Like he didn't tell his wife. He got he gets married and he doesn't tell his wife. He like uh, eventually he doesn't start cheating on his wife, but his brother has a relationship as well. And so it makes it sort of look like he's cheating on his wife, but they never tell that it's not, that they're not one person and they have to, they have to have, they have to like maintain that forever. Otherwise the magic trick is ruined Yeah. because like, even though it's still an impressive trick, the point is that if anyone knows how he does it, then anyone can do it. And like, in this particular case, not really, but if it's just a double, it's not as impressive. Well, yeah, that's what made it so everyone was like, because Hugh Jackman did the same trick, but with a double. Yeah. And everyone believed it, but everyone kind of knew it was a double, right? Well, I mean, well, at least every, magicians everyone, knew. Yeah, magicians knew it was and a double. I guess like the biggest part this movie shows is that the magician cares, like the audience is easy enough to trick, right? Yeah. But then... They truly care what other magicians think. If they can fool another magician, then they know, like that's that's how they know they succeeded. They have an amazing trick. Well, in his uh, in his speech, and you know what? I think at the beginning of this, um, I'll just include Michael Caine's speech. It's a little long, but like that's it's a really good speech. Mm. His speech on magicians, but he says at one point, um, and this basically explains the audience thing: is you don't figure out how to do it. No, you don't figure out how the trick's done because you don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. Mm -hmm. So the audience is easy enough to trick because they want for to. the most part, they don't care. They just want a good show. Mm -hmm. It's fooling the magicians that's the real important part. Like a trick, basically a trick to them is only good if it's better than the other magician's trick. And it's not going to be better than the other magicians if they know, like if the other magician can figure it out. Yeah. So that's why that's what bothered Hugh Jackman, even mm -hmm. though he had he did the same trick as Christian Bale did. Yeah. And a better way and a more successful way. He knew that Christian Bale could figure it out. Well, and he knew that Christian Bale's was better because Hugh Jackman couldn't figure out that that was a double because yeah. Christian Bale spent his entire life hiding the fact that he had the world's best double. And it was impossible to yeah. find out. Um but, you know, there's all these little hints, like, that isn't revealed until the very, very end of the movie. But there's all these little hints throughout the movie, like, every time his wife, every time he says, I love you to his wife, his wife goes, ah, you don't mean it today, or well, you every, do mean it yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and then, at one point, uh, his fingers get shot off in a, uh, uh, during a magic show. And at this point, he's not even using a double, but... Um, when they when they show his wife bandaging up his fingers, uh, she says, "I can't believe it's bleeding as much as it did right when you got the wound." Yeah. What happened? It's little things. So yeah, there's all these little things that if you know to look for them because you've seen the movie before, mm -hmm. um, there's then they're like hints towards the end. Yeah. But if you're just watching it the first time, yeah. you don't know what to look for. So well, that's the thing too yeah. is like as the audience, it's it's pretty obvious from the start what it was because they keep they always reference it like Michael Caine's character whenever he talks about it, he's literally always like it has to be a double well, there's no other way to do it yeah and then Hugh Jackman always says like it can't be that simple you know but and that's the thing is as the audience we want to believe what Hugh Jackman's saying it can't be that simple yeah. because 
if it's just a double, then we know how it's done, and then it's boring. There's no, yeah. there's nothing left to find out. We there wanna, is. We want to believe that he is better than that. Right. But in the end, like, and it was staring us in the face the whole time, it actually was a double. Yeah. That's the crazy part, is that, like, it's kind of like that, the, the movie's a magic trick on the audience, where we all, we still want to believe it, mm-hmm. because we want to believe that there's magic. Yeah. And then there wasn't, and yeah. So we were tricked too, mm-hmm. in a way. And what I find especially interesting about that is that, like, so Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale both play the magicians and their doubles, mm. and somehow, just through the way that this movie is is done, Hugh Jackman's double, right down to his appearance, and I want to stress again, this is the exact same person, this is also Hugh Jackman playing his double, is not nearly as convincing as Christian Bale's double. Right down to the appearance, like, I looked at Hugh Jackman's double, and I'm like, Nah, it's not you. That Jackman. was Hugh Jackman. That was Hugh Jackman. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think they did a little like little think, bit little touches to his nose. Yeah, definitely touches to his makeup. nose. Um, and that's the thing is like it was just subtle things, but you could tell that's not Hugh Jackman, even though it totally was. Mm. But then when Christian Bale's double comes, and like Christian Bale's double is like in heavy prosthetics the whole time, but he's completely convincing as soon as he's the double. So like even that little touch there of just like just slightly making Hugh Jackman's double just slightly off. I forgot what I was gonna, how I was going to end that sentence. But like even just those little touches. Mm-hmm. This movie is, has so much attention to detail. I also love the the editing. It was really complex in that because I think there's like three different storylines to follow at one point in the movie. Yeah, there is. There's kind of like. Uh, because they go from they they look at them as young magicians or mm-hmm. young magicians and not like them working together, but then they also they cut they cut to scenes of Christian Bale's character in jail, right? Um, which happens at the end is chronologically at the end of the movie, yep. but they show scenes of that, and then there's also scenes of Hugh Jackman at Tesla's. He goes to he Colorado goes, Springs. Yeah, he Colorado Springs to meet Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. Even though chronologically that actually happens, that's kind of the middle. Later, it happens in the middle chronologically. But then, like you have scenes of the, it was. I remember I was kind of confused because there was a scene where he's looking for Tesla, but then there were already scenes where he was at Tesla's place. Right? Have you ever have you ever read Frankenstein? No. Okay, so this the the framing device of Frankenstein is very similar to this because yeah. at the very beginning, uh, it's following some sailor who just took a job on like a big freighter or something and on this freighter it's super cold super lonely and just like walks around and eventually he meets this dude in an office who's just like hey i'm gonna tell you a story now and that guy is victor frankenstein so he talks and like he starts telling his life story and at one point in victor frankenstein's life story he creates this monster who runs off into the night and then eventually they meet up again and the monster's like all right i'm gonna tell you a story now so you've got this double framing device and it's kind of the same in this movie Mm -hmm. is why I bring it up because um, I think if you're looking at the framing devices, the main outside one is Christian Bale is in jail being um, being tried for the murder of Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And he starts reading Hugh Jackman's diary. And Hugh Jackman's diary um, talks about his time in Colorado Springs mm-hmm. where Hugh Jackman is reading Christian Bale's diary, right? which yeah. talks about further in the past and in order to explain that 
you have like the very beginning as well. Yeah, I just I just thought that was really because I think it kind of keeps you confused at first because you're wondering mm-hmm. how do these characters have each other's journals? Where are they reading them? Yeah, but then it it really like naturally kind of resolves itself like the resolves itself in the middle of the movie where like the stuff like it time they time it perfectly yeah like they read about this thing and then this happened like the same thing related to what they read happens Mm -hmm. um but yeah it really kept the pace flowing smoothly even though like they they cut a lot back and forth yeah which i thought would be disorienting but he pulled it off really well yeah once things start tying together they like everything resolves it's it works really nicely um yeah, which is kind of interesting cuz like I guess the more I think about it, Christian Christopher Nolan has like in all of in most of his movies he does some weird non-chronological pacing type stuff. Mm-hmm. And like this is probably the this movie is probably the strangest from that point of view cuz Interstellar well, Interstellar is weird, but for the most part, it's it's, well, it's chronological. It's solid. I, I'd say so. Memento was like this. Memento was backwards. It was, is the thing. Well, it was backwards, but then also for yeah, the, it wasn't completely backwards. I remember yeah. what he did was he had like the middle was at the end, I think, and then I think you had scenes cutting back and forth after mm-hmm. the crime and before it. I, I can't remember, but he had this really complex way of piecing it together i think the closest Um, to the prestige in terms of like that in in terms of that kind of non-linear storytelling is actually maybe batman begins yeah i was gonna say because it's really it's kind of disjointed at the start where they go back and forth between the training and his time in gotham and once it finally like once the training ends and the and the gotham stuff is sort of yeah. at its end, then it ties together into this is just the rest. And that's basically, yeah, in the second that's, half of the movie, that's when it comes back into like a chronological yeah. sequence. Pretty much once Hugh Jackman comes back to England. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he really, I really love how he kind of built those skills because I thought it was done better in The Prestige. Oh, for sure. Um, but then he never did it again. Like if you look at Inception and, the Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar. Well, he kind of did it in Dunkirk. Uh, I, have, I haven't seen Dunkirk. Oh, you haven't? Okay. But um, I was going to say he didn't do it again, but he did other interesting things. So it's not like he's not still playing around with those same tools. But like, no, of course. as far as non-linear storytelling goes, the prestige is probably his best. Yeah, well, that's like, I feel like he might have thought like, oh, I perfected kind of this technique. I don't really need to want to use it anymore. Because I'm thinking like, else I can go with in it. Interstellar, there's other weird storytelling devices used, but it's not any, It's not, it doesn't even resemble the prestige at no. all. It's still, but it's it is still, very strange. Like, there's still a lot of weird stuff um, going on. I will say, okay, so Dunkirk, what's interesting is he edited it in a way that, so there's three plot lines, okay. three or four, and then one happens over a day, one happens over three days, and one happens over a week. But then he intertwines them in a way that it feels like they're all happening at the same time, which was really confusing. But hmm. So that was like a different way to do it. Okay. It doesn't really have anything to do with I this gotta movie, watch Dunkirk. but I thought it'd be a cool thing to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about Dunkirk in more detail at cool. some point. Yeah. Um, the prestige. What else we got to say about the prestige? Uh, I love the cinematography. Yeah. I thought it was a really pretty movie to it, watch. It's the just set design, a, production design. Yeah. All worked really. What do you think of like the performances? Cause I don't usually see 
Like I was surprised to see Hugh Jackman in a Nolan movie. Yeah. Because um, I'm not. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. He just doesn't feel like Nolan's type. No, Nolan's. Uh, Christopher Nolan and uh, Christian Bale were really made for each other, and Christian really? Bale is very different from Hugh Jackman. So that's really all you need to know there. Yeah. Um, they kind of fit their their characters, like looks wise. Like Hugh Jackman's definitely more. He looks more presentable and showy. Well, and Christian Bale's more brooding and me- honestly, more Hugh Jackman. The, the thing is, so like Hugh Jackman is a bit of an odd choice for a Christopher Nolan movie, mm-hmm. but he's the perfect choice for this character. Yes. Because like Hugh Jackman's enti- Hugh Jackman's entire persona throughout the early 2000s was, you know, X-Men. Mm. But every other thing he's done has been he's a big showman guy. He's he's big and presentable and he can do lots of ex- lots of exciting things in vaudeville and stuff. Yeah. And so like putting him in as a showman it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is probably. I, I thought it was like maybe the best performance I've seen from him. It even might, better than Logan. It might have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, the only the only I don't know that I would say it was better than Logan, but it's as good for sure. Okay. Because um, the only reason I don't know that I would say is it's better is Logan and this performance are extremely different. That's true. Which is really good because I mean it makes them very hard to compare, and they're both like. They're both at least as good as each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then also like Scarlett Johansson was a weird choice. I remember thinking like, what's she doing in a Nolan movie? I'm yeah, I, I remember seeing that and I'm like, Scarlett Johansson, really? Yeah. But then when I was watching it, and I guess when I was watching it the second time, because I completely forgot, she was a really good choice as well. Like she did, this is one of her better performances that I've seen too. Yeah, she was really solid. And like, I don't dislike Scarlett Johansson, but I don't remember the last movie I've seen her in where I really liked her other than this. Um, Maybe her, but I didn't actually see her in that. Yeah, she wasn't really in it. Um, yeah, but I, I, she didn't have much to do in my opinion. No. Which kind of sucked. Like she was definitely, that's the thing with Nolan movies is usually like, I feel like the female characters are usually more plot devices than Yeah, that is a people. little bit of a shame. Um, um I, I thought it was I guess that was most tragic for uh the person who played Christian Bale's wife. Rebecca Hall. Yeah, because she did a fantastic job with what she was given, mm-hmm. but her character existed to hide Christian Bale's secret. Yeah. And to hint at it. Yeah. That's the entire reason her character yeah. was in the movie. Mm-hmm. So like she did a great job. Oh, like, I bought fantastic job. I cared about the character even though she didn't really Honestly, I cared about her more than Scarlett Johansson most of the time. Mm-hmm. I well, I think that that's a good probably thing. the point. <laughs> yeah. But also like you know, she was unfortunately just a plot device kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Oh, also I have this David Bowie and um, Andy, Andy Serkis as Tesla and his assistant were both, like, amazing performances. Yeah. David it, Bowie particularly, like... Yeah. <sighs> he completely stole the screen every time he was on it. Yeah. As soon as David Bowie was on screen, like, any time he would leave, I'd be like, no, come back. Yeah, yeah. Even though, like, I guess he was fed, like, the best lines, definitely. Oh, far. for sure. Um, But then also, like, I love how... He really cap. He he really commanded the screen despite being like really quiet and calm and 
on, like honestly, he, he wasn't a very loud character at all. No, and like he yeah. was given a lot of screen time with Hugh Jackman, who's incredibly dynamic just yeah. by virtue of what he's been given. Yeah, but then even when they were both there, I, I just couldn't stop watching Nikola Tesla. Yeah, he's a cool character. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I'd see, you know, like a, a rock star playing like and putting that amazing of a performance into it yeah it's uh it's really a shame that david bowie didn't get more roles while he was alive um Mm. there he was he was always busy so like i don't know how many roles he would have had time for but like he he stole the show in one of the best movies i've ever seen so like i also love the uh the we we could talk i want to talk about the tesla edison kind of reflection mm -hmm. uh because they were well, Tesla was essentially he was a plot device, but then also he was basically like almost future Hugh Jackman, like warning himself. Was he? Because well, like, not well, not literally future Hugh Jackman, but you know well, they were they both kind of reflected each other, and like Tesla was obsessed. Well, they they referenced it pretty obvious. Like Tesla was obsessed with becoming better, and then that ended up destroying him essentially. Mm-hmm. But. The thing is, too, that in the in the Tesla Edison relationship that they present in this movie, I see I see Hugh Jackman more as Edison because mm. so there's there are parallels of both of them to both of them, but um, I see but Hugh Jackman uh, Christian Bale sort of hits it on the nose at the end. Hugh Jackman just kind of stole all of his stuff from Christian Bale. Yes, he tried to improve on all of it. Mm. But every one of his tricks was a Christian Bale trick done better. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's kind of, at, at the very least in this movie, that's kind of what they set up Edison as, is he just wants all of Nikola Tesla's stuff, where Nikola Tesla is the guy who actually comes up with it. Yeah. So in that respect, I like, in, in that particular feud, I would see Nikola Tesla as having more of the Christian Bale role. That's true, which is kind of odd that they use him as almost a mentor to Hugh Jackman. Yeah, because you are right. Like, he does, in some respects, also seem like a future Hugh Jackman because, I mean, he says it outright. He's like, you know, I was obsessed and it ruined me. You're you're obsessed. It's going to ruin you. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I think that's kind of interesting that, like, that the two feuds are similar enough that you can compare them, but they're 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 different enough that like there's no obvious comparison i guess yeah anyway uh but yeah it's just i thought it was cool seeing how that type of competition isn't only reflected in showmanship it's also science Mm -hmm. technology and uh yeah and i also like the the choice of adding real magic was really interesting to me i guess it was technically science yeah i remember when i first because the movie other than that machine the that essentially clones hugh jackman yeah every time like it was a very like like this could have been like a historical movie like a biopic in a way so like very realistic until that you just surprised you just reminded me um probably one of my favorite foreshadowing moments in the movie that I didn't even remember until like right now. I didn't realize it as the movie was going on in his diary, Christian Bale, like, so Hugh Jackman steals his diary specifically to know, to try and find out if Christian Bale, in fact, killed his wife, like by tying the wrong knot when she was underwater Mm. that she couldn't get out of. 
and Christian Bale keep saying, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I tied, which knot I tied. And um, by the end of the movie, it's sort of like, no, by the end of the movie, like, there's a, a real chance he actually doesn't know because it's hard to know which Christian Bale was there at the time in the first place. Yeah. Um, but also that, just that I don't know is kind of foreshadowing to me uh, something that Hugh Jackman, well, it's foreshadowing sort of, it, it's, it's another way of foreshadowing the fact that Christian Bale is two people. Mm -hmm. But it comes up kind of, it kind of comes up again at the end when Hugh Jackman learn, has the machine to clone himself and every night he doesn't know if he's going to be the person, the man in the box or the man... Like the man in the box or the being, man or the man teleported. Yeah. So the guy who gets cloned or, uh, or the clone. That's true. And so because of that, and like in that, re in that moment, I wonder if his character realizes like there's that straight up Christian Bale maybe didn't know. Like that, those, um, that I don't know line just kind of foreshadows the entire ending. If you think about it mm -hmm. and maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but it's, it's there. That's another little touch, right? Um, I'm not sure if I was going anywhere with that. I just wanted to say that. It's <laughs> cool. It's a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember because that they they do mention that a lot. Um, the uncertainty behind it, mm -hmm. and that's that's the thing is like to I guess to create such a big um ta or I guess how do you say it to create create a show like that? Yeah. you do have to take that risk of not knowing what's gonna well, happen that's the if thing you want to mess like, with real magic. In in a way too, in order to create the, in order to create a show, uh, trick that's so good it fools other magicians, yeah. they kind of end up creating tricks that fool themselves in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, they don't even know. Yeah, so Hugh Jackman never knows if he's going to survive the trick, even though there will always be a Hugh Jackman afterwards. Yeah, and Christian Bale, you know, doesn't know half of his life because half of his life isn't being lived by him. Mm -hmm. So, um. Yeah, it's a good yeah. Movie. I need to watch this movie again. There's there's so many cool little things in this movie that like that you don't even realize until you see it two or three times. Um, it's not even like you know just a good movie like Lego Movie Two where you can just appreciate things again on the second time. It's yeah. like that I actually it's am like going in and learning new things every time. For the first time every time. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Um, anyways, so like, I guess if it wasn't clear, I would say we both pretty highly recommend the prestige if you haven't seen it. Yeah. I guess opinion. if you've made it to this point, I really hope you have seen it because we spoiled the entire movie. Yeah. But if you haven't, if you have even watch it again. You know, uh, yeah. Honestly, I'd recommend watching it a fifth time. If you probably haven't. one of the best directed movies I've ever seen. For sure. If not the best. Um, I think and like I think it was only up for it was only up for like cinematography and editing Oscars too. Yeah, that's why you can't always trust Oscars. Yeah. To show you what's best. And even like Rotten Tomatoes has like seventy six. It's actually like Nolan's lowest really? rated movie. That's crazy. Cause um, like Wow, that's weird. That's the thing. Can't always trust the critics. Just trust us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there you go. Uh speaking of trusting us. Uh, we do have a, we do have a movie club. Um, 
which I guess is being advertised at the end this time. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got the UBCO Movie Maniacs. We meet every two weeks in the UNC Theater to watch a movie, and it looks like in the future it's going to be two movies. Yeah. We had a lot of people say they wanted double features after our first movie, which was The Prestige. Yeah. Um, and so the next one... Oh, should I say what it's going to be? Sure. Okay. So this isn't set in stone yet. It will be by the time you hear this. But uh, the next one is probably going to be The Breakfast Club and then Jackie Brown by Quentin Tarantino. Two very different movies. Extremely different movies, but I'm very excited. Gonna love the tonal whiplash there. So uh, you can tune in in two weeks or so to hear us talk about one or both of those. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Yeah. So um, there's that, and uh, next week we're going to be back to talk about Joker, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's coming out it tomorrow. It's coming out tomorrow, so we will let you know all about that, and uh, hopefully it won't be a rehash of our Taxi Driver episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> we'll see. All right, we'll talk. See you then. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>